Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at the Ringer. Joining me on the other line is Kevin Clark. Kevin, how are you? A little disappointed. Uh, as you know, I tried to, like, the next 45 minutes, tried to pitch just Bruce Arians talking about paint and eating paint, uh, and that got vetoed. I thought we should have done, like, a taste test of sorts, like uh, Jacoby and Juliet used to do on Food News, which I assume they'll do on House of Carbs now. That was my move. We just tried different paint samples. Not how they look, but how they taste. So if you missed it, and I'm not sure how you would miss it, Bruce Arians wrote a book. The book, I don't know. I mean, Maze, you, you, you've read it. I, I've read large chunks of it. I've dug into it a little yeah. bit. I haven't read the whole thing. Is it the best book ever written? It might be. Yeah. yeah. I think it could surpass, yeah. you know, whatever your intro for the great American novel is. Sure. I understand it's not a novel, but it's still on that level of literature. Sure. Just so, the overall craftsmanship that goes into it. So It'll be taught in schools when, for years to come. When you're talking about great introductions to books, you know, you got um, there's a lot of Dickens in there. You obviously have the great Gatsby, uh, Nick Carraway introducing everything. And then you have Bruce Arians talking about how he was allergic to milk. But he still needed a way to be strong in neighborhood football games, and so he drank paint. And twice, I, I would say that, yeah, twice he had to get his stomach pumped, and he did. He continued to drink paint. I would say I've always had sort of a wild side is right up there with in my younger and more formidable years. Yeah, it, in terms of first lines of great American literature, it, it's side by side. I don't think you can pick one over the other. Yeah, it's uh, what a book. What an anecdote. What Instead of, Drew, of Bruce Arians and paint, uh, we're going to be talking about, again, in our kind of series of bigger picture NFL ideas that we've done, we're going to discuss the best place to be a quarterback in the NFL right now. And what we mean by that, it's multi-pronged, right? So it's not just your receivers. It's not just your offensive line. It's the entirety of the situation that you can step into. And that goes as far as ownership, you know, general managers, how much stability there is, which franchises prop their guys up the most. It's fascinating to me. We look at supporting cast, and I think we only think about receivers, offensive line, tight ends. Last year, the New England Patriots' most common lineup played only 60 snaps together, 63 mm-hmm. snaps together. And so you, it's not it's not 11 guys. It's not you know the 10 guys around the quarterback. It has to be, first of all, the depth of the team, and then beyond that, I mean, the coordinators are just as important. The, 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 as you said, the owners, the coaches, the you know, the stadium, hell, you know, the, the weather. I mean, the, the, that all comes into effect. And I think why this matters now, maybe in a way it wouldn't have even a couple of years ago, is that we have these two different timelines of quarterbacks in the league mm-hmm. right now. You have your Brady's and your Mannings and all the not Manning anymore. Well, Eli, I guess, but the older generation. And then you have the younger one where it's these guys that are kind of in their second, third, fourth years that are clearly going to be the next class. And a lot of the guys in that group have either been affected by the situations that they're in or they've changed so much in the last off season that it's going to be worth watching going forward. And the guys I think about in that group are really the second year guys, Dak Wentz Goff, and just how much situation plays into what we've seen from them so far and what we can expect to see from them going forward. You know, the thing we always, we talked about a lot last year was the situations that those three guys were put in because they were very, very different. And the sort of viral tweet we all talked about, from Chris Wessling of the NFL Network in September showed that Jared Goff, his supporting cast around him was Jeff Fisher, who is Jeff Fisher, by the way, uh, Rob <laughs> Boris, uh, who was their, their, a former tight ends offensive line coach, and then Chris Winkie was quarterback's coach. And that was his first year in the NFL as, as a coach. Wentz, meanwhile, and we're not saying that the staff is perfect, but Wentz had Doug Peterson, former NFL QB, Frank Reich, former NFL QB, longtime offensive coordinator, and then John DeFilippo. Who did wonders with Philip Rivers in San Diego. And He's John, a very yeah, right. good football coach. And then John DeFilippo, who's a quarterback specialist and has been in the league for a long time. So those were the two situations that those two guys are put in. And you could see right away, Wentz has a success. Goff has, has whatever he had last year, which I'm not. And then you go even further Historically than that. bad. Historically bad accuracy Awful. last year. Just, he had no chance to succeed, both with the guys around him and the people that were, telling, that were in his ear. And then you go one step further and yeah. you look at what Dak had. Think about just what Dak Prescott stepped into. And I'm not trying to take away anything that Dak Prescott did last year. He was the most statistically successful rookie quarterback in NFL history. And that wasn't possible in large part because he walks into a situation with the best offensive line in football, Des Bryant, Cole Beasley, who's a really good receiver, 
a monstrous running game, and a coaching staff that knows what the hell they're doing. So it's really tough. I think that Dak Prescott had a much better rookie season than Carson Wentz, but it really puts a kink in the evaluation process when you think about just the myriad differences in the situations they're in. Okay, with that in mind, we're going to start out with which teams help their quarterback the most this year. Which are the situations that improve the most from the, the end of last season to the beginning of now? That includes free agency and the draft. I think that you know when we talk about who won the offseason, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's the Patriots again. Yeah. I mean, you think about all the players they added, and I wrote about this today in kind of the pass-catching arms race piece I did for the ringer. You have Brandon Cooks. You have, you know, Dwayne Allen isn't a perfect player, but he's useful. That helps Rob Gronkowski do what Rob Gronkowski does well. You, know, you bring in Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley. You know, they added the most offensive pieces to what might have been the best offense in the league a year ago. So it's kind of crazy that the rich get richer in a way that is almost unimaginable. The other one I had was Wentz. Uh, I mean, just the, the Eagles and what they added. They had no one to really throw to last year, and now they have Alshon Jeffrey. And I know Torrey Smith isn't. Alshon Jeffrey, but he is useful. He can do something they didn't have a season ago. And the other one I had is Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, think that they really bulked up on pass catchers because they know they needed to. We talk a lot about teams that go all in in a situation. And obviously, the Titans are not going all in on winning the Super Bowl this year, but they identified exactly what needed to be done for Mariota to become a top 10 NFL quarterback, and they went out and did that. And I think that's the most impressive thing about their offseason. They just said, you know what, we could play the long game. Eh, we're instead going to get Eric Decker. We're going to you know, bolster some of the bulk around Mariota, make sure he's even more upright this year than he was last year. I, mean, I was just really impressed with what John Robinson did in that regard. Totally. I mean, they've done that two seasons in a row. They've said, let's just take a wholesale approach to where our team is and fix those areas all at once. Well, I mean, the offensive line and the receivers this year. It's interesting because the hiring of Malarkey was that. I, I think a lot of people don't realize they thought maybe Malarkey was to save money. You know, they, they, there was a weird theory that Malarkey was to save money so that then they could sell the team and, and you know, they wouldn't have to pay a big coaching salary on the books or whatever. I, I, that's not real. Uh, what was real was Malarkey basically sold the ownership on I'm going to protect Marcus Mariota because yeah. the protection schemes under Wisenhunt, I like Ken Wisenhunt a lot. The protection schemes were a joke and the personnel were a joke. And so now, yeah, now you have a situation where Malarkey is basically not only has the talent, but he has the game plan of whatever we do. We don't care about anything else except keeping him upright. We sacked 38 times in 12 games as a rookie. He yeah. got pounded. Yep. And that's exactly what they said. We're going to insulate him. And that was the first step. And now the second step is let's propel him forward. I don't know if that offense is necessarily built to do that. We'll get into that a little later when we talk about the best supporting cast in our minds. But I do think the personnel is much closer than it was a year ago. I still, and look, John Robinson is a hell of a lot smarter than I am. I still get a little hesitant about the Corey Davis thing. I feel like you could have done a lot more with that pick at five. Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams was somebody that I feel like was connected to them a little bit more just because of what they like to do with the ball. You know, they yeah. go down the field so much. Williams does that well. And again, we'll get into that a little bit more. But Mariota didn't have a single guy on that team last year that helped him. You know, Rashard Matthews is fine. You know, Tajay Sharp for a fifth round pick was fine. But they didn't have anybody that actively made bad throws good. And I think that's what they are hoping Corey Davis and Eric Decker can be. I mean, they're so much better than the guys he played with a year ago. Hell yeah, that's not hard. No, but that's sometimes that's what matters, man. And that like, it's the same thing with their offensive line. You know, Ben Jones isn't somebody that is going to make headlines. But when you can go from a bottom of the barrel center to a top eight center, sometimes that's even more important than getting one of the best guys in the league. And I feel like that's what we're going to get from them this year in their receiving court. What's amazing to me is that everyone that I talked to in the NFL after Carson Wentz's rookie season said, do not judge anything that happened when he started his slump because of how bad his receivers were. And that's very rare. It's very rare because the NFL is such a no excuses league. And if you ask a talent evaluator about this guy, this guy, this guy, they'll always sort of try to evaluate him in a vacuum. Everyone I talked to said Wentz's receivers were so bad last year. He had no one to throw to that. You really sort of have to throw it out the window. All right, who are your couple teams? Okay, uh, number one, I think this goes without saying, it's probably, with the exception of, of, of New England, the most obvious one's Tampa Bay. I mean, O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson, 
the offensive line is still not elite. I, I think the pro football That's focus. My problem. Yeah, pro football focus had them at 23rd um, in the league last year. They didn't do a whole lot to get better. The problem with them is that they were locked into those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue is that it's hard to make changes on your offensive line. And when your offensive line is bad, it's hard to make changes when you've already made the changes, right? right. They used two second-round picks on linemen. Jarrah Sweezy didn't play last year, but they spent a decent amount of money on him. So it's just all these guys that they've invested in sure. but wish were better. Ali Marpet's pretty good. He's a he's good player. Good. Yes. He's, pretty he's, good. he's been very surprising. But but I, let's take – this is only about improvement. And if you take Absolutely. last year's team – and you add O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson to it, and you already had Mike Evans there, and Cameron Brait, by the way, who's pretty good. Pretty damn good. And, yeah, and, and then you'll do a lot of stuff with those guys. Yeah, and he's, he's you know, I, I know everyone's sort of, he's got the sort of Ryan Fitzpatrick thing, which is everyone just talks about he went to Harvard. He, he's a really good tight end. Um, I just think that, that, that if Jameis Winston, and it's the same thing with Mariota, if Jameis Winston is destined to be a top five quarterback, we're going to see it this year. I like the Deshaun Jackson move more than just about any other move this offseason. One, because Deshaun Jackson's a really good player. Yeah. Two, he's just the type of guy that can unlock an entire offense. Yep. He just it's a key because one, he takes the top off and that allows you to work underneath in a way that you couldn't last year. I feel like that area of the field was pretty cluttered just because they didn't have any speed element. And then you also have him as somebody that helps coverages get identified very quickly, which yep. Jameis sometimes has trouble doing. But when you're going to have so much too high with Deshaun on the field, it allows you to open up your offense in a way you couldn't last season. You know, when I talked to Julio last year about what was different, in large part, it was what Taylor Gabriel gave them in Atlanta. Just because you have that element, you know what the coverage is, you know you're not going to have, you know you're going to have have a guy over the top you can just chew up stuff underneath and i think that's what they need and it also is going to stop him from just force feeding mike evans he led the league last year at 173 targets efficiency when you're doing that is going to be hard to come by so i just feel like overall he has the best chance right now that he's ever had i will say i'm a little worried about the run game i just don't know what doug martin has left i mean there were there's a lot of talk that doug martin might not be back this year but obviously you know, he, he, he's, he has kind of changed their tune yeah, about that though. Haven't yeah. they? It was, in March, it seemed, I was at a, a, at Dirt, the a Dirt Cutter press conference in March and he was extremely evasive about Doug Martin. And, and, it's, and so it, was Jason it, Light it was the at the sort combine. of tone. Someone takes like eight minutes where they cut a guy. Right. Yeah, and, totally. and, and I guess Martin came in in great shape and he looks good, but I'm still a little hesitant about that. I like Charles Sims, too, though. I yeah. think he's a really underrated player. I don't know if you want him to be the basis of your running game, but as a pass catcher, he's pretty solid. Sure. Yeah, he's a pass catcher. He's fine. He had 149 rushing yards last year. <laughs> That's not good. He also got hurt. Yeah, I know. All right, so listen, but, but, but anyway, we're just talking about the weapons on the outside, and I think Tampa Bay helped themselves a lot, and I think there'll be some improvement there. Next team for me is Carolina. Christian McCaffrey... I, you know, I just got, really Christian McCaffrey. I know. Really no, 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 no. I mean, you got Curtis, <laughs> Curtis, Curtis, Samuel. Curtis Samuel as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel I, I know you hate the Matt Khalil deal, but he's, <laughs> he's do you like the Matt Khalil no, deal? No, I don't right, like the Matt Khalil deal, okay. but I mean, he's not he's not. I, I don't know. I mean, I just think having veterans on the offensive line is better than having, you know, it, it, random people off the street. Now. Let's just that's talk about. Yeah, I hear that. There's that a point that I will contend. That's that's not that that's not part of the improvement um, <laughs> no. argument here. It's literally just McCaffrey and Samuel because. Um, and by the way, they drafted uh, a right tackle in the second round, Taylor Morton as well. Yeah, Taylor. Tell him on my play. I mean, yeah. he's a guy that Williams is there from. He's a fourth round pick in fifteen. You know, he's not a guy that the bar is not high for Moton to get on the field. I guess no. is what you'd say. No. Okay, so McCaffrey and Samuel to a lesser extent. But let's focus on McCaffrey here. He allows the Panthers to unlock so much of what they want to do as far as starting in the backfield and and splitting out wide, playing in the slot. I mean, this is everything. The Panthers are all about positional flexibility. And I think the ability to have guys, you know, they want they want guys in the backfield sometimes and they want to spread it out sometimes. And Cam Newton is still a really good quarterback and his wide receivers are extremely bad. And so I, I think that you add a guy like McCaffrey who not only can catch the ball, but can do everything and do the creative formations that Mike Shula wants to do. I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm just curious to see how it's going to look, right? Because we have no idea. We've never seen this before. They threw 13% of their passes to running backs last year. Yep. 
that is the second lowest mark in the league. Only Green Bay was less, which I guess makes sense. I can't even remember ever seeing them throw a ball to a running back, which is weird considering their running back is a wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yeah, but it's still it, it, the second lo- lowest in the league, thirty-one percent. Cam ranked thirty-third out of thirty-three qualified quarterbacks in passes that traveled one to five yards past the line of scrimmage, which is from Keen Faye's quarterback catalog, which I talk about a lot because it's very good. They don't do that. So it's, we've never seen them do that. So in theory, it's really good. I just don't know. I, I literally can't imagine what that offense is going to look like with a healthy dose of Christian McCaffrey. It's so far away from what we've seen from them over the last couple of years. I talked to McCaffrey's college offensive coordinator right before the draft, and we didn't know he was going to Carolina. We, obviously, he was mocked there quite a bit, but the coordinator basically told me that that if he goes to Car- Carolina is not only the best fit for him, but the difference between the best fit for him and the second best fit for him is about 50 miles. Okay. And so I just think that they're going to be able to do, they, they, they are the team that can unlock all of this. And they're going to, by the way, they have so few options because their outside targets are, are certainly not what they thought they were going to be when they drafted them. Um, I, I feel like they're going to be say, say screw it. We're, we're going to build a game plan around Christian McCaffrey. All right. Who's your last team? How about the chargers? I mean, this is this is just a small a improvement. Good one, man. This is a small improvement because, again, it's not like any team went out and you know, this isn't basketball. You can't just retool and all of a sudden you have Paul George, right? Um, Mike Williams in the first round, Forrest Lamp in the second round, two huge needs. Number one is wide receiver, and by the way, they're going to get Keenan Allen back, which is improvement. Also, Dan Feeney's going to play. Yep. They'll have two new guards, which yep. they desperately needed because yep. their guard play last year was horrendous. So they have two new guards. You Mike Williams, you add that to the receiving core that already has a decent amount of bodies in it. I mean, I feel like they could get better in a hurry. And it's now it's a question of, is that defense for real? Yep. Is the defense we saw last year, I think they finished ninth in DVOA, is that a flash in the pan or is that young group of guys ready to kind of step up and I be think one of the is, more consistent dude. groups? I, I like them, man. I like those guys. I think it is. Can, I, I, I will say this. If they didn't have the weirdness of moving into an MLS stadium, I would be all in on them. (laughs) The two things that are preventing me from being completely all in on the Los Angeles Chargers, number one is the fact they play in an MLS stadium, and number two is the fact they play in an incredibly good division. Yeah, and those are both very reasonable points, but I like a lot of the talent that they have. Personnel-wise, I think they're in a really good spot. Before we go on, I just wanted to tell you about our newest podcast on the Ringer Network called House of Carbs. The one and only Joe House finally got the food podcast he deserves. This week, he talked to Bill Simmons about his passion for hot dogs, the best way to conquer food in Las Vegas, and much more. You can subscribe to House of Carbs on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time now to bring in our friend Danny Kelly of the Ringer. Danny, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Danny, you sent me a LinkedIn connection <clears throat> last week. I know. I'm trying to keep up with all the uh, the various we, social we, media. We talk there. all the time. We work together for a year. <laughs> we are aware of each other professionally. What was going through your mind when he sent me a LinkedIn profile? I mean, literally, I look at LinkedIn once a year. Yeah. So I was just, you know, going through a, hey, I know that person. You were all That's in. Kinda, I didn't want to be too eager. So I waited a while, you know, kind of just uh, <laughs> a year? playing it cool. A year. All right, Danny. You're here, importantly, to tell us about your under-the-radar improvement moves, things we're not really thinking about. Give us your top three. Okay, so I don't really know exactly how under-the-radar this is, but I thought the Brandon Marshall move for the Giants is going to be really good. It's under-the-radar because we haven't talked about it, and I actually don't think a lot of people think about it. Why do you think that, though? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I think people are, you know, talking about a lot this offseason. Basically, you know, he had a down year last year. He had probably his worst year in you know the last five or six years so he's kind of fallen off the radar but i mean this is one of the best touchdown makers in the nfl over the last you know decade or whatever like he's two he's a year removed from a 14 touchdown season Mm -hmm. with ryan fitzpatrick at quarterback so i just think you know with teams really tilting their defense towards beckham um he's just gonna be kind of he's a second option for them but he's gonna be so so good in the red zone and I think that makes them have the potential to be a lot better on offense. Now, you know, their defense is still supposed to be really, really good. And so I think that's going to be sort of the identity for the Giants. But if their their offense can get better, um, you know, just a little bit better, you know, they won 11 games last year. I don't know how, how much better they can be, but I looked it up. They were 17th in touchdowns per red zone trip last year. And 
you know, if they can get into the top 10, I think that like equals, you know, one or two more wins. And so I think he's just going to be really, really important for that offense. It was kind of a one trick show with basically throw the ball to Beckham and hope he scores a touchdown type thing. And having him in that offense this year is going to be huge. Evan Ingram as well. Mays, what do you think about the Giants prospects this year? We already talked. To, I talked about it a little bit in regards to the Bucks. Just the idea of making a superstar receiver better by giving him help, yeah. not throwing him the ball more, as a way to really boost his play. I think that's what we're going to see. I mean, just having some of the attention get taken away from Beckham, and it's also one of those things with the Giants where Eli needs it. He needs to be oh, propped yeah. up a little bit right now. He's not a guy that can just cruise no matter what you put around him anymore. <laughs> not that he ever anymore? was. But <laughs> not that he ever was. But now it's even more of a situation where you really need to help him out and bolster his play. And Marshall's the type of guy that can do that. Where would you guys guess Brandon Marshall's cap hit is among wide receivers? Uh, I'm oh, going to guess like 63rd. It is 39th, wedged between noted superstars Cole Beasley and Jermaine Curse. $4.46 <laughs> million. Dollars. Oh, damn. It's pretty damn good. I was so I'll mad. take it. How did he God, how'd they get him for that cheap? He didn't want to leave New York. Yeah. He loves being on TV. Damn. Yeah, I just think he's going to have a big year. And, and I think it's actually, you said it's going to be really good for Beckham, too. I think it's also going to be really good for Shepard. That's a really good point. He's a yeah. really talented player. He can move all around the formation now. I think, you know, they, they can use all three of those guys can basically play all three positions you know, on the on the field. It's interesting you said that he could move all around the field in positions or they could just run 11 personnel and throw it to Beckham on a slant on every play. That seems like <laughs> the more logical or the more probable case. I think that's what we're going to see. All right, Danny, who's your next guy? So going in a different direction, obviously this guy's not nearly yeah. as big of big of a name, but I, I went with Ted Ginn yeah. for the Saints, and this one might be the one that you guys are <laughs> laughing about. But um, Wait, really, is, is that your guess? You just framed it as we're going in a different direction, and then you just said <laughs> Ted Ginn. That direction is directly down. Uh, Ted, Ted Ginn, Danny, talk to me. Okay, so first of all, Breeze, one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL in his career. I mean, he's amazing with passes over twenty yards, sure. uh, twenty yards in the air. I looked it up. Um, PFF's Nathan Yonke, 106 rating for Breeze on passes 20 yards or more in the air since 2013. Um, you know, Ginn's a little bit of a one-trick pony. Obviously, he's a speed guy, but he's good at that. I mean, he, he's got he's had his fair share of drops over his career. Yeah, and all no, that, he's got two tricks. One is speed. The second is dropping the ball. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm hey, look, I'm not saying he's going to be Cooks in that offense or whatever, and he's going to be the number three option. Um, but I think that 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 free agent, you know, to go out and get him to replace Cooks, I think he's I think that was a really smart move. And and you wrote me, you know, Maze, you wrote like under the radar. And so this was my real under the radar move. I think, you know, I don't think he's gonna be a superstar or anything sure. like that, but we agree. I think we endorse be... your, your your view that he's not gonna be a superstar. <laughs> I don't necessarily yeah, I'm 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 on board with that. But I understand because it's a low cost way to maintain an element of your offense, right? As long right. as you have that guy to stretch the defense and you're not paying him anything, they have to cut. I mean, they have to cut costs somewhere. They're the saints. So if you're going to do yeah. it, pay this guy, nothing and still maintain your offense. Somewhat you be the integrity is there to a certain degree. He's not Brandon cooks by any stretch, but you still need that element. Yeah. I was looking it up. Lance Moore had over a thousand yards in this offense in 2014. And I mean, he didn't do Only anything. Once? I figured it might be more than that. I think, I mean, I think he had over a thousand a couple years before that too. But I mean, essentially he was, you know, he was, uh, I think that's what Ginn's, you know, I think Ginn could go over a thousand yards if he stays healthy. Wow. And they oh target him. You heard it here first. Hey, Danny, do, Dude, you, know, do you know He what? had like 800 last year. Do you that's know what? Even, and, and, yeah. And a terrible passing offense. Do you know? During Cam Newton's breakout season in 2015, when the Panthers were, for large stretches of the season, the best team in the NFL, do you know what Ted Ginn's catch rate was? <laughs> was it under 50? It was 45%. <laughs> he dropped a horrifying amount of balls that season. He was, it was targeted amazing. 97 times, and he caught the ball 44 times. Yeah, but were those all drops? Because Newton's no, they were all drops. Terrible... But I'm just saying, you look at there are guys now who have catch rates in the 70s. Well, that's also, it's a product of the offense in part. They really chuck it down the field. It's also yeah. a product of Ted Ginn having stone no, hands. I know. But there are a lot of factors involved here. This is the perfect example of when the tape marries with the statistics. Dude, Ginn had, Ginn had 10 touchdowns two years ago. Yeah, and he should. He probably dropped like 11 touchdowns in the end zone. <laughs> 
All right, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, real quick, you, you know, you're talking about the Saints, and obviously they don't have a great cap situation. I think they're 23rd in cap space in the league, and um, if training camp started today, they, you know, they obviously calculate the salary cap differently, but all of their players put them $11 million over the cap. Obviously, that that changes once cuts are made. It's amazing to me that the cap rises $10 million a year and that basically <laughs> no one has cap problems anymore, but the Saints just found a way. <laughs> they, they've, the Saints are so bad at this that they've had to come up with new ways to get around it. The fact that Drew Brees is contract voids after this year and they did the same thing with fairly no one else is doing this because no one else has to the it's saints. like just getting another credit card when you max yours out the saints are like your friend who like complains about financial problems and three weeks later you see them and they've got they, they turned in their audi early to get a bmw <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they're leasing a car they're just way beyond their pay grade yeah the drew Brees is that car they have a third bedroom for no reason <laughs> all right danny who's your third guy all right, so my third guy is Martellus Bennett with the Packers. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, you you said it before. It's like you forgot about it. I think you were blocking it out of your memory. But yeah, they have, um, it's all about repressed <laughs> repressed things that have happened to me. I think it. I mean, I think it's flying under the radar how good he could be in that offense. I'm just picturing the Packers offense with Ty Montgomery, Randall Cobb, Martellus Bennett. You know, whoever else. Obviously, Jordy Nelson out there on the field. They can run. You know, they can do anything with that personnel grouping. I mean, they could they could run the ball. Obviously, Montgomery used to be a receiver, so he could, you know, flex out and, and you know, run for pass routes or whatever. Cobb can run the ball. Um, Bennett's really, really good at blocking and receiving, so he he kind of gives them that balance at the tight end position. I think it's just gonna be crazy. Imagine Rodgers running the hurry up no huddle in that offense with with Bennett out there. And I think that's gonna be really good. The two thousand eleven Packers is it's one of the best offenses I've ever seen. And in that offense, you had Jermichael Finley catch 55 right. balls for 767 and eight touchdowns. And they have never, <laughs> spare me, Jared Cook. <laughs> they haven't had a guy even <laughs> close to that since he left. Bennett is by far the best tight end option they've had. Right. Maybe since Rodgers was there. I, I don't know. He might be the best guy they've ever had. I mean, I, yeah, I think you could make the argument he's better than uh, Jermichael Finley. And yeah. so, like... You know, you're you're talking about Cook just now. Um, the numbers with Cook in the lineup last year versus with him out of the lineup were pretty staggering. It, it, it's crazy because I think I think Rodgers really enjoys having that tight end out there. I think that's just a big, you know, sort of a security blanket for him. With Cook in the lineup last year, this is from Chris Wessling at NFL.com. Second Chris Wessling reference on this pod. Big day for Chris yeah, Wessling. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. Uh, they were eight and two with him in the lineup. Twenty eight points per game. Rodgers had a 25 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio and 114 pass rating with Cook out of the lineup. They were 2 and 4, 24.7 points per game and and Rodgers was 15 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio and a 92 rating. So he like clearly with a quality, you know, kind of stretched the the seam type of uh, tight end in there. Rodgers really really is kind of just that's just like his specialty. So, I mean, if you go back to like you said the the 2011 year with with Finley, I think that's just I think that's going to be huge for them. And I do agree. I think he's probably the best tight end they've had, um, you know, in sort of the Rodgers era. And this isn't something, you know, it's not necessarily linked to quarterbacks, but it is a little bit. Them losing TJ Lang and them having some shuffling on that line like they haven't in recent years, Martellus Bennett can block. He's a monster run blocker, and they could use the help there. I mean, I think that if they want their running game to be as good, they're going to need him to be a part of that. Totally. And they had like zero run game for about half the year last year. Um, Montgomery kind of emerged later on and he looks like a legit sort of starter and everything like that. But I mean, they, I think they really want to be more balanced. And I think that's a big part of this, you know, the reason they targeted him over cook. Cause obviously I think they kind of had a good thing going with cook, but obviously Bennett, I think gives him a whole new dimension just because he can block. Hey, as if from a career perspective, would you, if you're Ty Montgomery, would you rather be a good running back or a mediocre receiver? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd be a me- rather be a mediocre receiver. I mean, play for yeah. so much longer, but right, it doesn't look like it's happening that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the only running back with number eighty-eight, though. That's for sure. I can't is believe he... they let him keep that. That is some bullshit. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I kind of like it. All right, Danny. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Get back to LinkedIn. <laughs> God, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talk to you guys later. Love you, buddy. Thanks, Danny.
All right, Kevin, now let's dig into our best supporting cast. So before we kind of look back at what happened this offseason, this is more of a wide-ranging kind of view of things, what's gone over the last few years. So it's going to be the situations quarterbacks have now, but we're taking more than that into account. Like which teams you forgot? Yeah, like which teams I forgot. Okay. That's also fair. All right. <laughs> we'll get to that. All, all right, right, just give me your five. All right, all right, all right. Uh, New England, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Dallas, Atlanta. New England being number one. I feel like New England and Pittsburgh are clearly the one and two, and we'll dig into why in a little bit, but those are my two as well. After that, in kind of no apparent order, I had the Saints, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. I forgot the Raiders. They, they probably should be on this list, but I wanted to talk about the Dolphins a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so why don't we talk about Atlanta first of all, because they would have been on here for me last year, but sure. I feel like the Kyle Shanahan factor is what kept them off just because I want to see how sustainable that offense is without him, even though they have pretty much the same personnel coming. Sure. So over the cap did a really interesting thing two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it just about the percentage of snaps that are returning this year and and not losing both overall and quality. And the Falcons, I think lost uh, the fifth least or the fourth least quality snaps and, and overall snaps. There is continuity there that I think is really Wait, important. Which starter did they lose? Do they, don't they have everybody? I mean, it, it could be as much as a uh, uh, second tight end. I mean, four, it was like 4%. Tammy's probably the only guy that's not there. Yeah, I and mean, they, he think, could have been 4% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, they, they brought back everybody. Yeah, but okay. Oh, Chris Chester. I'm sorry. He's okay. the only guy. Okay, so I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm shorting Chris Chester's... Your point stands. <laughs> I was just curious. I wanted to take a look at it, but yeah, your point stands. Uh, it's on the internet. You should check it out. I, I do, Yeah, um, I got it. All right, so I think that you know Pittsburgh is also very good as far as this continuity, according to over over the cap. So you have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones. That's really all you need. But then you have the the great supporting cast that that Dimitrov has set up. You have, I mean, I think Sark's going to be okay, dude. I think he could. I think, be. And both those running backs are really good. I, the I line is good. Alex be. Mack is good. I mean, I just don't. I'm actually wondering, and I also trust Tom Dimitrov. To make even make some if things aren't clicking in training camp, where Sark wants to to move some pieces around, I think Dimitrov's going to you know make some moves. So, but I, I I am surprised that Atlanta is not in your top five. It really is just a we're talking about continuity, and that that's a huge part of this conversation, and that's why Pittsburgh and New England, everybody else is as secure at the top as they are. I think changing offensive coordinators worries me. It doesn't mean whatever the downgrade from Shanahan is, and there will be one that isn't as worrisome to me as a guy getting used to somebody else in his ear, a guy getting used to how a game is called. Those things change and they usually take at least a couple seasons to get right. Even if the guy's doing a good job. I mean, think about the first year with Shanahan that didn't go that well. There were growing pains there that were clear. I mean, Matt Ryan struggled with some of those elements. And I think that no matter what, no matter who it is, that is going to be something that has some bumps. And that's why they don't make it for me. Yeah, I I think that that's slightly overrated. I mean, I think that the communicate unless the only way that's going to matter is if the guy's legitimately bad. Like, I think I don't think that's true at all. Okay, I, you think that hearing a different voice in the headset is actually going to make them take a step 100%. back? One hundred percent. It's not. It's not that it's jarring. It's the page that they're on. It takes a while to develop that level of trust and comfort with someone. Okay, I, I and it's gr- not. It's not like Oakland, where Todd Downing is his yeah. quarterbacks coach. They're used to how they see the offense. They talked about it for years. This is a guy he's never had before coming in. I mean, I think that matters. Yes. Okay, I, I I just I don't agree. I mean, look at you know I, this is obviously very different, but I mean, look at Seattle and their defense and the fact they have a new guy every single year. That's different with Pete Carroll, though. That's different. It's a difference between a quarterback. There's no central element to your defense. A quarterback and an offensive coordinator is much different than th- whoever I, the defensive play caller is. I am I am in full support of Matt Ryan overcoming this this new voice. I think he'll be fine. Again, I don't think Matt Ryan is a bad quarterback. I just think you're underrating this. I think that the, the Atlanta and all the things they have going for it are significantly better is a significantly better atmosphere to be a quarterback than Miami. I don't think that's true necessarily right now. I feel like Miami's offensive. So that's another difference we had in our list. I love Gase and what he does. Yeah, for I love Gase too. And I think that that lo- those pass catchers there and Adam Gase is 
a place I'd want to be a quarterback. It absolutely is. Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills. I don't, Julius Thomas isn't that great, but he's pretty good. And the running game that they have, I just feel like that is a spot where you could succeed as a quarterback. And I think that they have the continuity there right now that Atlanta does not. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I, I disagree. I think now I'm not disagreeing with your notion that Miami is a good place to be a quarterback. I love Adam Gase. I love all that talent. I loved, I mean, obviously a lot of people talk about Jarvis Landry being sort of quote unquote a volume shooter. Um, and I, I think there's part of that, but I, I do think they're all really talented on that offense. And but I just think that there are so many things going for Atlanta. That, I mean, they have a running, they have a great running game. They have you know four or five really good receivers, and obviously have a top three receiver in the game. And they have a good offensive line, and they have the continuity. I, I think that that's a better atmosphere. Uh, agree to disagree. I, I just think that the Jarvis Landry thing is interesting to me. I feel like Jarvis Landry's style of play has put him in the conversation. I love watching him, but this idea that Jarvis Landry is like a top 10 receiver is bonkers. He's not. I think the only, the only people who would say that would just be looking at this, the sort of catch statistics. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, and, he, actually, and idea, he fell off as the year went along. This idea that Jarvis Landry, I, I heard something about the franchise tag and Jarvis Landry recently. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, I, that would just be a complete misuse of resources. And that comes from a guy who really likes Jarvis Landry. I love Jarvis Landry. It's just there. You have to be a certain type of receiver to warrant that treatment. But what I'm saying, I think in that I think offense, anyone, anyone who does like 10 minutes of research would see that he's not a top 10 receiver. Yes. In that offense, he's a very useful piece because he's able to do what he does well because they have those guys on the outside that do other things. Yep. I agree. All right. Number four, we both have Dallas. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think you got to put it on there. Yeah. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, I think that, I don't know. Last year, I, first of all, the offensive line departures, you know, Doug Free was not particularly good, but he was, you know, a contributor. And then you obviously uh, had Ronald Leary. That's a continuity thing, too, though. That's a I continuity mean, thing. Having and those guys why, that are similar next to you matters. But that's why well, the point I'm making is that's why I didn't even I sort of had to think about my top three. OK, New England, Pittsburgh, Oakland. And that was the conversation in my mind. Dallas, maybe last year, I would have had them in that conversation and had said, okay, what are we doing with the top four here? For me, Dallas is a clear number four just because of the continuity issues. They lost a lot of snaps. That over the and a lot of that's defense, but on that over the cap thing, Dallas, I think, was number one in snaps lost. So I mean they, they, there there are some continuity issues there. The coaching is not nearly as good as some of these other places. I mean Jason Garrett's fine, but he's not I mean he's not Belichick and he's not Todd Haley. No, absolutely not. I think that Scott Linehan has done an underrated job there. I feel like what he did to kind of help Dak become comfortable early in the season, similar to what Shanahan did with RG3 a little bit, you know, just implementing elements of their college offense to really make them comfortable from the get-go. I think that's underrated. I think that level of flexibility and malleability is something that should be valued. But no, I mean, they're not anything close to the coaching staffs in those other places. Yep. Um we also, Des Bryant is pretty good. <laughs> He's probably well, Eze- worth Ezekiel, throwing out there. Ezekiel Elliott is yeah, also pretty the, the, good. The, the skill position players on that team I, th- I, are okay. I didn't name them because I felt like it went without saying. I mean, yeah, in Dallas, everyone knows what Dallas is. Yes, exactly. I, I, that's totally fair. All right, number three for me is, is Oakland. Yeah, I just uh, forgot. You, you just I, forgot I, about Oakland. I was just trying to talk about some other teams. We know the Raiders have a very good supporting cast. Sure. So... <laughs> I put New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. And I think this is about, we've said continuity so many times, but this is about Sean Payton and putting a quarterback in a good position. Okay. And I know it's a chicken or the egg thing in a way because it's so hard to separate Drew Brees from Payton and why they've been successful. But I just think that Sean Payton is an excellent offensive football coach. I think being a quarterback in that offense is made easier because of his presence and just the way he calls the game and everything else. I also think, I know that now he's hurt, but that offensive line in New Orleans is really freaking good. So I feel like that combined with just the overall system that they run, it's just quarterback friendly. I, and I know that Drew Brees is really good, and it's, again, hard to separate those things. I just think that a lot of guys could be average or better in that offense, no matter who it was. Yeah, I mean, I understand there, there's certainly situational things. Pete Carmichael Jr. has been there for years. Sean Payton yep. is, is great. Um 
Is Teron Armstead going to be healthy for the season? It's a great question. I mean, that's something that I guess this is more in a perfect scenario. The way they've built the team, it's really good. I think that line when healthy is, is excellent. Yeah. But yeah, there's he's out for a while. I mean, that's a problem. And his health has been a problem for some time now. I also think that even though the guys have changed there over time, they still have decent receivers. You know, Michael Thomas is good. And finding him in the second round last year mattered. Well, you got Ted Ginn. It, it, <laughs> yeah, the Saints are number one. Danny for Kelly's going to call back in. <laughs> start talking about Ted Ginn again. All right, let's keep going. The Raiders, pretty self-explanatory. One of the best offensive lines in football. I thought it was interesting. I saw a statistic from Pro Football Focus the other day. Lowest percentage of batted passes when you're throwing. Okay, Derek Carr had the fewest. Dak Prescott had the second fewest, and Ben Roethlisberger had the third fewest. I mean, that sort of shows, obviously, batted passes. There's a lot of factors there, including trajectory and and not throwing it into a, into a defensive lineman. Derek Carr had 0.5% of his throws last year batted down. Clean pockets, baby. I mean, that, there's a reason all three of those teams are in my top four. I mean, that's it's a great incredible. stat, actually. Okay, anyway. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you don't think about that, but that's indicative of other things. I mean, especially with the Raiders. I mean, they're just their pass protection is so good. They also do a lot to help Carr out. They get him on the move. They move the pocket a little bit. That entire offense is built around having people not around his feet. Yep. Because that's where he struggles. And they should be commended for that. That's why they should be on this list. Because they've done an excellent job of just formatting that team around him. They they also should be on this list because I remember to put them on the list. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's another good reason. And obviously, like the skill position players, I mean, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Totally. Really good. I mean, I think the running game can be good this year. Um, obviously, you lose Latavius Murray to Minnesota, but I think that they... I mean, Todd Downing, it's it's what you said. He was the quarterback's coach. They It wasn't like they lost Bill Musgrave to, to a head coaching job. They just wanted to get Downing in there because of the relationship that he has with Carr. And so... I just, I, I think that will be pretty seamless as far as the offensive coordinator transition goes. I agree. And I'm not worried about that nearly as much but as I would with his voice. Like his voice. Car's not going to know what <laughs> to do. But he's heard Todd Downing's voice for a very long time. He doesn't know. Time. He's say, who That's is what that? I'm talking about. I'm not taking this play call. I don't even know who you are. Oh, God. All right. So, yeah, I mean, Oakland, self explanatory. All right. Two and one. You start. I mean, Pittsburgh is, how do you argue with Pittsburgh? Yep. I mean, for 10 different reasons. Antonio Brown, reason one. <laughs> I mean, like, yep. that helps. Le'Veon also, Bell, reason two. Le'Veon Bell, reason two. Martavis Bryant is playing this year. Yep. Todd Haley's been there for six years. Their offensive line has played together since the dawn of time, and they're all very good players. It just, there's nothing that you can poke holes in about why it would be good to play quarterback in this place. And Pittsburgh, I think, is the first team where we want to talk about just the overall organizational security, the stability going there. It just seems like a good place to play football. You know what you're getting there every single day. And I think that matters as we start to kind of nitpick and the little details matter at the top of lists like this. That's why they're elevated above teams that have very good personnel on the field, but they have just this entire overall structure that you really feel good about. The amazing thing. And and obviously, like we said, Brown and bell are, Reason one A and one B, essentially, that, that, that their skill position guys are, are the best in the league or are among them. But their offensive line got better as the season goes along. Do you know how hard that is? I mean, after week yeah. five, they were the best offensive line in football, according to Pro Football Focus. That's, I love that group, it's, man. It's hard, I think they're really good. It's hard to get better as the season goes along. No one, We get so much worse as the season goes along. You and I, by week 13, we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's done. <laughs> Danny, Danny brought in Ted Ginn in the preseason, so he's obviously starting at a lower point than we are. But um, no, it, so it was it, just their ability, the coaching staff, Todd Haley is good. I mean, it's 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 a great it's exactly what you said, a great place to play football. The two guys I feel like are overlooked anytime we talk about offensive linemen in the league are Ramon Foster and Marcus Gilbert. Like nobody's gonna get excited yeah. about those two dudes. They're just really good football players, and that just seems to be what the rate or the Steelers have all over the offense. Yeah. Well, the other thing, you know, uh, about the the Steelers is just organizational because yeah. you've heard so many stories about Ben Roethlisberger as a rookie. He wasn't that good. He didn't have the practice habits he has now. He, by all rights, should not have been the quarterback of a fifteen and one team because of you know a lot of factors, 
And yet he had Plasco Burris to just chuck it down the field to. And I've heard Bill Cowher talk about that. Now you, I think Bruce Arians in his book talked about that a little bit. I mean, he was put in maybe the best position to succeed that we've seen as a rookie quarterback, except for maybe Dak Prescott last year. Yeah. I feel like you know, talking about the voice and you know, you're making fun, but the six years with Haley, that shit matters. Yep. The level of implicit comfort and trust that they have and him just willing. Nobody threw the ball more often, more than 20 yards down the field last year than Ben Roethlisberger because they're just willing to let it rip because they are just completely at ease in what that offense is and what they want to get from it. That matters. He's also a really good coordinator. Yeah, he is. I mean, <laughs> he's a very good offensive coordinator. All right. Well, what is there to say about the Patriots mm. outside of what we've said a hundred times? <laughs> Everything that we talked about like in the that, last ten minutes. Yeah, no, better. I like that. Every single pod, we just get to the last five minutes and we just can't say anything more about the Patriots because they're number one on every list. It's tough, man. I mean, we're in year fifteen of this. It's hard to come up with new shit. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. You say something. Belichick, Brandon Cooks, Rob Gronkowski when he's healthy. An offensive line that's good. Here's the thing I'll say about New England that, that we haven't Schemes, really brought up but, yet. Okay, go ahead. This would not have been as much of a no-brainer two years ago because their yeah. offensive line now is no longer a weakness. It is a strength because of the development from some of their in-house guys. The fact that Shaq Mason and Marcus, Marcus Cannon, Cannon have become above-average NFL linemen when you add them to the rest of that group. Now, there's just nothing to poke holes in. Every mm-hmm. single bit of this offense is enviable, and that did not used to be the case. It's kind of ridiculous. Now, we're talking a lot about the talent. The Belichick-Josh McDaniels thing, I mean, 100%. they find... This isn't about continuity. I don't give. I don't care about that. What I care about is their ability to find schemes that are innovative, and that, you know, I, I just, their, their ability to get hidden yardage or free yardage is unparalleled. Their ability to say, you know what, we can get eight yards with this and it's not a particularly flashy play. We're just going to do it. They do it all the time. And, and I just, I am so impressed with their, their, their free yardage operation. And I mean, I, there's all sorts of debates about, you know, what would Tom Brady look like if, you know, he played in Denver or whatever, but like. Brady's the perfect quarterback for a perfect system. If you need any answers about what this team can do, no matter who's playing quarterback, go watch the first four games of last year. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good player, but they burned the Dolphins to the ground. Uh, This is a... They destroyed the Texans with Jacoby Brissett. Yes. I mean, it's every single game, they put specific guys into positions to to succeed. Every single game. Every single snap is with the idea of what does the other team do poorly and how can we take advantage of it? Yep. That's just not how most teams think. Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL and he also gets the best game plans in the NFL. I don't know how you stop that. He is the, he is not the best quarterback in the NFL, but okay. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback. We did, we did this last week, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. And I basically said they were tied and that Aaron, what we did was if you didn't listen to the episode, um, who would get the most valuable, uh, contract on the open market for one year. And I said, Brady and Rogers were tied in my mind and that Rogers would get more cause he's younger. So that's, I, I just, I'm just not going to let that go. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Before we get out of here, why don't we do a team or two that maybe is overlooked in terms of not being a great place to be court to play quarterback. Just a team that is not as cushy of a situation that people may think it is. I, I don't think we give enough heat to Seattle for what their offense has become. I mean, it, if you looked at even the playoff game they played against Atlanta last year, I mean, their offensive line is just a disaster. Their wide receivers, I mean, Curse hasn't really taken a step anywhere near what they thought he was going to be able to do. Baldwin is still good, but I mean, I think all credit goes to Russell Wilson right now because he's playing in a spot that that is not exactly a quarterback's paradise. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, there is problems with that offensive line. They're they're not going to be fixed this year. I don't feel like that receiving core is full of superstars, man. I think they're fine. Doug Baldwin is a good player. That Jimmy Graham is. I'm not sure. That might be a usage thing, but I definitely don't think that. You just walk in there no matter who you are and succeed. Russell Wilson is kind of built to be a good quarterback in that spot. 
Graham had over 900 yards. He was fine, but he's certainly not what Jimmy they, Graham is a good player, but they, he's they not the monster if, he was a couple of years right, ago. Right. I mean, if this is 2011, Jimmy Graham, we're having a different conversation, but I just, I mean, it's, it, I, Russell Wilson, my respect for him grows every year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, last year, I feel like some of the stuff he was doing was impossible. I mean, something that no one else in the world could pull off. The two that I had, and I feel like this is really sneaky under the radar, not great, is Tampa and Arizona, and for a specific reason, mm. it's not about personnel, and it's not about coaching either. I think that Bruce Arians is an excellent quarterbacks coach and has succeeded with a lot of different guys. I just think that those systems put so much strain on the quarterback. You're pushing the yeah. ball down the field so much. It's just there isn't really any margin for error, and I think playing in those offenses is difficult at times. So I know that the players may be good, and I think the players are good in both spots. I just think that you're playing on the head of a pin at all times. No matter what happens, if something goes wrong, it goes very, very wrong. Those guys get hit a lot. So th those are ones that I just think that we should give more credit to how good those guys are when they're good. I agree with that. I mean, I think Arizona got unlucky with some injuries on the offensive line last year. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone still thinks after last year that Arizona is a good place to play quarterback. Um, it's just, it's a tough I, I, there's so many things that went wrong in Arizona last year. And and I think, you know, I was talking about this with the Cardinals fan yesterday. And I think the world thought the Cardinals were going to turn it around. Remember, we every week we were saying, here come the Cardinals. And I don't think Cardinals fans thought that when they looked at their team. It just wasn't equipped to make the run we thought they were going to make in the beginning of the season. What do you think about them this year? Do you think they can be a contender again? Do you think it's still close enough? Know. I mean, it just depends on if Palmer... And honestly, I know it sounds simplistic, but if Palmer can get back to a minus Palmer and then you marry him with David Johnson and then you still have vintage fits. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you lose Clayus Campbell, which I think is massive. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he just does so much for yeah. that defense. I feel like Palmer was good down the stretch. Sure. I think if he can be that player all that, season, though. exactly. It was, they couldn't turn it around that fast. But if he can be that player this year and they can stay healthier, I, I do feel like they can be around. Hey, last thing I want to say, Pro Football Focus just tweeted out the most yards per route run in 2006, a little throwback Thursday here. Who do you think led the league in most yards per route run in 2006? Jeez. Andre Johnson? Lee Evans. Jesus. What's, is there like a top five? It's Lee Evans, Chad Johnson, and DJ Hackett. What the hell? Don't let anyone ever tell you football was better than it is right now. <laughs> DJ Hackett. All right. On that note, uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.